What's going on, Rough Golfers, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Rough Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Hope hope you guys are out there playing golf. I'd love to be out there playing golf right now, but I can't because we've just had a torrential downpour. So everything's wet and soggy and uh, not really great conditions for golf. But spring is on the way. We've had some warm days and I'm excited. Can't wait to get back out on the course. Got a lot to cover in today's podcast. We're going to be talking about the Honda Classic versus the Mayakoba Live opening tournament, if that's what you want to call it. The uh, PGA format change letter just released by Jay Monahan the other day has a lot of changes to the 2024 PGA Tour season, and I'm going to discuss those today in this podcast. And then we're going to talk about the upcoming Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's actually, I'm recording this on Thursday, so it starts today. It's the first first day of the tournament, and uh, I'm interested to see um, how that plays out. All right, Honda Classic. Okay, if you guys watched the beginning rounds of the Honda Classic, you probably were pretty bored because I know I was. I tried to start watching the, uh, the, the the first few days of the Honda Classic and it was just, sadly, it was a snooze fest, you know, and no disrespect to those professional golfers out there playing in the tournament. There just wasn't a lot of action. You know, I, I like to follow, you know, the, the PGA Tour players, the live golf players that I like to see, you know, I want to see, uh, a lot of these these names that I'm familiar with, you know, and there just hasn't been enough exposure for some of these up and comers into the PGA Tour for them to really, you know, develop their their own name so that people say, oh, okay, you know, I know Eric Cole, I, I followed his career, I know exactly who he is. He's a rookie on the PGA Tour, and what a performance he gave at the Honda Classic, and I'm going to cover that uh, today, but. You just, you don't know these guys and you haven't developed in a relationship. You know, you know who Dustin Johnson is. You know who Brooks Kepka is. You know who Bryson DeChambeau is. You know who Justin Thomas is or Jordan Spieth and John Rahm. But when those guys aren't playing, you're kind of like, well, you know, who, who am I watching here? What's the backstory? And I guess that could be a good thing in some ways because you start to learn about these players that are, are up and coming or that have been on the PGA Tour for a while and, you know, maybe have kind of lost a little bit of their game and they've not really performed very well. You know, in the, in the uh, situation of uh, Chris Kirk, he had a, a, a bout with uh, alcoholism and he's worked through that. And it, his story is, is very impressive. Uh, and, and so is Eric Coles. He's got a little bit of a backstory, too. You know, 34-year-old rookie on the PGA Tour and uh, comes very, very close to winning the Honda Classic. So, um, you know, that's interesting. Okay, I'm sure a lot of people would find that interesting. I know I did when I, you know, went a little deeper into who these two characters were. But previous to this uh, playoff at the Honda Classic, I, I didn't know these guys, you know. Um, I didn't. They just they aren't popular names that you hear when you uh, – you know, hear professional golf being talked about, you know, these, these guys just don't show up. So for some of these newer players that are up and coming, this may be a good opportunity. But, um, I think when I was looking through the leaderboard at the Honda classic, I knew, you know, two names that were, I was really familiar with, and that was Billy Horschel and Shane Lowry. Um, there was one or two other ones in there that I, I, I thought I recognized, but the rest of them were like, 
you know, who the heck are these guys? You know, obviously they're good. They're professional golfers are on the PGA tour, but I've, I've just never heard of them, you know, and maybe, maybe that will spur a little bit of digging for everybody watching the PGA tour events now that are not elevated events, major championships, or any other type of, you know, significant event, maybe they will start to read a little bit more into uh, the background of some of these players that are, uh, that are in the field for these, these, you know, I don't want to call them non-elevated events, but that's really what they are. I mean, they're not insignificant. They're just, you know, obviously if the PGA Tour hasn't designated them as an elevated event and they're not a major tournament, you know, they're, they're glorified exhibition match. Okay, come on, let's be real. That's that's really what it is. But the first few rounds of the Honda Classic were, you know, just dry, drier than than burnt toast. Okay, uh, they it just wasn't fun to watch. Now, towards the end of the Honda Classic, um, when you had a playoff between Chris Kirk, the PGA vet, thirty-seven year old PGA vet, and Eric Cole, the thirty-four year old rookie PGA newcomer. That was fun to watch, man. I, I really enjoyed seeing that playoff, the struggles, the adrenaline that was running through both of those players, and it just got you pumped. You know, that's fun golf, and I realized that you can't have that, you know, at the beginning of the tournament because people are making cuts or they're just trying to shoot the lowest score possible, and you're not going to have a playoff situation. So, you know, but it's kind of like a football game. You know, the the last quarter can be where most of the action is because they're scrambling to to win. You know, so there's a buildup, and I think with golf, it's a slower buildup, especially in the PGA Tours case because 72 holes, and you know, it's four days of golf, and it's a big field to 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 get through. So I think it takes a little time to build up. But everybody loves Sunday in the golf world, unless you're you know not a fan of playoffs and crazy good golf action. I don't know, but uh, just the, the first part was dry. Now, if you take the experience of the PGA Honda Classic, which by the way, Honda is no longer going to be sponsoring that tournament. So Chris Kirk was the actual last winner of the Honda Classic, which is kind of cool that he gets to make that claim, but Honda's, Honda says no more. You know, they don't want to sponsor that tournament. I don't know what that means for the future, of the tournament, but it'll be interesting to see. Now, Liv had its season opener at Mayacoba in Mexico. And, you know, everybody's talking about how the Live event didn't get good ratings. Okay, it got terrible ratings. Well, guess what? All right, let's 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 break this down a little bit. Live golf is aimed at a younger audience. There have been a historic number of articles. Okay, I might be I might be embellishing this a little bit, but there have been a ton of articles out there that talk about how a younger audience is more likely to cut the cable, okay? No cable television, no satellite television. We're all on Netflix or we've got other apps that we stream or whatever. And that's where, you know, television is headed. It's going towards that style of, uh, um, you know, entertainment. It's not going to be a traditional uh, cable or a satellite-based service, okay? So there's no, it doesn't surprise me that uh, the ratings were low for the CW. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Because you need time. You need time for, you know, people to understand, oh, I go to the CW to watch live golf, you know? Also, right now, why would you do that if you can get 
free viewership on, uh, you know, Live Plus or whatever it is or YouTube. Why, why would you pay and why you can get free viewership? Now, once that starts to, to wean a little bit and go into a, a, you know, a pay for entertainment style of, uh, you know, production, then you'll see the ratings go up when people are like, okay, I want to watch Live Golf. It's a good product. I've got to go to the CW Network and purchase and subscribe to this app that they have. Or if I'm on, you know, traditional cable-based or, uh, you know, uh, satellite-based uh, provider, then I'll have to get that channel added to my package. Okay. And it doesn't surprise me also because the PGA Tour has a lot of, you know, diehard fans and they typically trend a little older, okay? And an older audience is going to be more comfortable with cable television, satellite television. They're going to be more comfortable with that because that's what they're familiar with, all right? They're not going to be using their smartphone and, you know, whipping up the CW app to watch a live tournament, okay? So the ratings don't surprise me. Now, people say that the ratings tell all, and that's not true because I watched some of the live golf event in Mayakoba, and it was great golf. It's action-packed, okay? I mean, they're switching camera angles. They're moving around. You get to see in the entire course. You're seeing all these different shots from different players, and that's really refreshing compared to the PGA Tours style of production, which is it's it's professional-looking. It's streamlined, and it, you know, it's what we're all used to, so it feels familiar, and it feels comfortable, but Live Golf has got a little bit of little bit of spice thrown in their production, and I kind of like that. Now, what I don't like is that really weird uh, team score tracker on the left. It's just too distracting. I mean, it just can we move it or can we, you know, maybe reduce it and then pull it up at at you know different intervals or something like that. Maybe when the announcers are talking or something. Just it's kind of distracting and pulls away from the actual shot that the pro is making. So. Um, you know, they need to work on that a little bit. They need to work on their production a little bit. There's a lot of camera shaking going on. It just doesn't seem as, as smooth as, uh, say, a PGA Tour event uh, production would. But Lib is new. They'll get the hang of it. Now, Charles Howe III actually won the event. And I remember my grandfather took me to a uh, PGA Tour uh, tournament when I was around like 12 and uh, I saw Charles Howe play, and he was playing David Duvall. If you guys remember David Duvall, I thought he was a really good player. He was playing at this tournament. I want to say it was something like Kings Mill or something like that in Maryland. It was a it was a really, really nice uh, course up in Maryland that hosted the event, and uh, I just remember seeing Charles Howe third play, and I was like, man, that is a mouthful when it comes to a name. That sounds like a very official title, okay, Charles Howe third. It should come with a badge or something. I don't know. But uh, 43-year-old Charles Howe III won the event. He played great golf. He had some great shots. I mean, dude can ball. So congrats to him on winning that. And he brought home over $4 million. So his team won the event as well. So, I mean, dude just made big bucks, big, big bucks for playing this Live event. Now, Liv's tagline is golf but louder. Okay. I'm not sure that that translates very well to television because when I was watching the event, of course, you can hear the music in the background and everything like that, but it's kind of like patchy, it's in and out, and it just doesn't flow that well with, you know, their their tagline, Golf But Louder. Probably at the event, I've not been to a live golf event, but probably at the event, it, it you know, it 
comes home and you're like, okay, I get it now. This makes sense. We've got the music going. The atmosphere is not so, you know, stuffy and and hush-hush and everything like that around golf. It's not so traditional, you know, which, which I do think golf needs to be pushed to, you know, um, maybe reconsider some of the traditions and, uh, you know, bring in some new style of play, which is why I think Liv's got a good product here. But I do think it is more fast-paced than the PGA offering, which is good. That often will resonate with a younger audience than, say, the PGA Tours production. Now, with the season opener for Live Golf and Mayakoba, one thing I did notice was how they are bringing this team aspect, um, you know, how they're bringing it to fruition, how they're 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 putting it out there so that people can actually start to identify, okay, these are the the four aces or the niblicks or whatever crazy name that they have, the range goats, whatnot, uh, you can start to see it in their their uniforms, okay? Uh, they've got team badging on their chests now versus, you know, their sponsorship badging, which, you know, you can see that. I think Phil Mickelson, uh, he, he, had, he was kind of dressed up in his team garb. Um, Taylor Gooch had the range goats. Uh, garb on and everything like that. And so you start to see how these teams are becoming just that. You're going to be able to recognize their logo, their colors, everything. And then that will open up a whole new aspect for fans to say like, okay, I'm a range goat. You know, I'm going to buy the range goat jersey, if you will, or polo. I don't know what you call it because it's not really a jersey, but polo shirt. And I'm going to have the range goat logo on my chest, you know, or I'm going to wear a four aces uh uh, logo on my chest and, and, you know, rock that polo out on the golf course. But you can see how this is going to translate. What I'm not understanding is how current clothing sponsors for some of the players are going to gel with the uh, team identity. And I mentioned that some in my last podcast about how they're going to work that out. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. Now, um, I think it will take time for uh, sponsors, clothing sponsors, you know, Adidas, Nike, whatever, to get behind the, the team, uh, aspect. Okay. And here's why, because these sponsors use a lot of traditional metrics to gauge exposure, like TV time, TV ratings, some would say, I think it's going to be hard for them to say like, okay, you know, I'm Adidas and I'm going to back the range goats. Okay, just we're speaking hypothetically here. I think it's going to take them a while to do that because they got to say, like, what am I getting out of this? You know, I'm, I'm about to support these uh, four players and all their expenses of traveling all over the world and flying first class, flying private. Okay, you know these guys do, staying in fancy hotels because they ain't staying in Motel 8s and they don't want to pay their own winning money into to doing that. So, you know, the sponsor has to get something out of that. So if they're going to shell out all that money, then they need to get something in return. So I think it's going to take a while for them to, you know, see why it's uh, it's worth it or, or for them to say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and back you guys because, you know, you're producing results, you're winning, you got a lot of exposure, whatever. I think it's going to take a while, you know, and, and this ratings thing, it's going to hurt live a little bit if you're a traditionalist, but their product is good and we're going to talk about how their product is so successful because the PGA has decided to make format changes, okay? And, and there's no way that you guys cannot see this change from the PGA as anything other than, hey, we are now in stiff competition with Liv, so we need to up the ante. So 
Jay Monahan sent out a memo, okay, and this memo has, you know, kind of outlined uh, some of the changes that are coming in the 2024 PGA Tour season, all right? So in the memo, he listed that there was going to be eight designated events that will have between 70 and 80 players with no cuts. Do you hear me, people? No cuts. Does that mean those players are going to get uh, official World Golf ranking points if there are no cuts? Because what you guys are telling us is that uh, Live Golf with no cut is really just an exhibition match. It's not an official golf tournament. They're not going to get their official World Golf ranking points. Come on. Do you see the hypocrisy there? Okay, it's there. I'm just I'm just calling it for what it is. Now, in the memo, uh, Monaghan uh, made a statement which basically said the PGA Tour will, and I quote, focus on ensuring purse size, elimination of a cut and FedEx Cup points distribution to sufficiently incentivize top performers to participate in the designated events. Translation, we're going to get the big names that bring the most attention, more money. That's what it is. That's what it is. Now, he does say in the uh, memo uh, later on that they're going to have full field events where they can get some of these players that are not that well known, the opportunity to be eligible for these designated events. Okay. Does this mean that anything that's not a designated event is really just an exhibition? I don't know. That's something that, you know, I guess you need to make your own determination on that. And the PGA Tour will have to eventually, because sponsors, if I were a sponsor, okay, let's break this down. If I were a, a you know, a car sponsor, say I'm, I'm going to make my own Harris Auto, okay, and the PGA Tour comes to me and says, you know, uh, we've got this great golf event, uh, you know, in Florida that we'd like you to sponsor. You're, you're going to have to belly up, you know, $10 million for this event. And I would say, okay, well, you know, what am I getting in return? Is it one of the designated events? Well, you know, it's it's not, but in the past it's had a pretty good draw. I mean, how is the PGA Tour going to sell these events that are the, you know, the the non-designated events, the non I'm saying designated, what I mean is elevated. How are they going to sell these non-elevated events uh to these sponsors? It's going to be very difficult, guys. It's going to be difficult because I wouldn't want to back my money on an event that doesn't have the top names in golf that's going to get me the most uh, viewership and attention as a sponsor. So that may mean we have fewer events for the PGA Tour season, which I think would be a good thing. I think we need to whittle it down a little bit and then increase the field of play to make it more difficult, which I think fewer tournaments means those players are going to try harder and harder to uh, play better golf. You know, if you've got, if you've got, 40 tournaments in a, in a year, then you've got all these additional chances if you don't play so well at one. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. We'll have to see how that uh, develops. Now, Live Golf, hearing this uh, change for the PGA Tour 2024 season, sent out the following tweet. <laughs> it's It made me laugh when I read it because it's, it's I mean, you know, you can just tell. They said, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Congratulations, PGA Tour. Welcome to the future. Now, that was a little bit of a, of a cheeky statement there. Obviously, Liv is saying, we know that our product is, is making waves, and you need to adjust uh, your offering so that uh, you can compete. And I think that is what uh, you know I've been saying for a long time 
um, when I started this podcast about golf needing to evolve and some of the old traditions that exist need to be changed and challenged a little bit. That's a good thing. Change is going to be a good thing for golf. And Liv has done that. You can see that in this uh, you know, series of changes that the PGA Tour is making for the 2024 season. And the fans are going to appreciate it. They are, okay? I mean, we like seeing you know, these elevated events that have the best players playing it out there. That's what you want to see. When you go to a sporting event, do you want to see the guy you've never heard of? Or do you want to see the guy that you're familiar with that, you know, is a, a powerhouse in the sport? Do you want to see what amazing athletic feats they're going to do on the golf course? You know, I know that I want to see that those guys, and then I want to see some up-and-comers that are mixed in with that because that's how, you know, names get big. They challenge some of these long-standing powerhouses in the sport, and then they develop a name for themselves. But if you've got everybody on the field that's a newcomer, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to distinguish yourself. You know, you have to win several tournaments over and over again to to get that reputation. So I think the elevated events will be a good thing. Obviously, that is coming as a result of what uh, Live Golf put out there, their style of play. Now, I do think this is good for the PGA Tour to distinguish these designated events and elevated events because previous to that, you know, pretty much the only elevated events were the majors, the four majors, you know. You had everything else was a tournament, and then you had the four majors. Now, there were some other styles of play mixed in there, you know, WGC match play and all that stuff. But really, you had the four majors. That was the big ticket in golf, and everything else was just like, okay, this is my favorite tournament that I want to I watch. I watched this tournament since I was a kid. And now I follow it and all that stuff. But previous to that, just the majors. Now, I do think that the field could be whittled down even further. They're saying 70 to 80 players. I'd like to see 30 to 40 of the top of the top. You know, if these are going to be elevated events, why not really elevate them, narrow down the field, and let's see the action turn up. You know, let's see how uh, low we can go with the scoring for these really difficult courses and these top-level elite players. I don't think they'll do that because I think they want to stretch out advertising. I think trying to stretch out, you know, four days of golf from, you know, dawn till dusk uh, is going to be very difficult with 30 to 40 players. But if you've got 70 to 80, you got a lot of air time, a lot of advertising time, a lot of advertising dollars that come in to support Uh, that type of play. So changes that the PGA Tour is making for the 2024 season are a good thing. I think it will uh, be a boon to the PGA Tour's product, um, to an otherwise great product. Uh, They already offer a a very good product for their their golf, but I think this will help kind of propel them forward, you know, past some of those older traditions that are, uh, you know, it's time that we, we put them aside and change golf and bring it into a little bit more of a modern format. Now, getting back to the 2023 season, uh, starting today is the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's the first day of that tournament. And uh, there are a lot of hopefuls out there. You know, I personally am rooting for Max Homa. I would love to see him uh, bring home the W at the Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. But... I don't know, John Rahm's on a bit of a heater. You know, he's playing great. We talked about that in the last podcast. Three number ones out of his last five finishes. That's really, really good. You know, is it Tiger-esque? I don't think so. But the dude can golf. So maybe he'll bring home the W 
um, at the uh, API. I don't know. We'll see. Now, um, maybe Scheffler will pull it off. You know, he did win at the uh, Waste Management Open, and maybe he's due for another uh, another top spot. I don't know. It is a tough course. Okay, it's a, a tough course. I was looking at some of the um, scoring averages, and it's like in the 70s, guys. I mean, this is a hard course. And I don't know about you, but I love when a course, you know, when, when a player on a difficult course, when they win by like four or five under, okay? I don't like to see those courses where they're winning at, you know, 14 to 17 under, and they're just, it's just the numbers are like out of this world, okay? But four or five under for top-level elite players, you can tell that is a hard golf course, a hard, hard course. And that's what I like to see because it's so close. It's so narrow. I mean, we're talking mere strokes here and there's not a lot of wiggle room. So I think that it'll be a really good tournament. I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited to see who wins um, the API. And, you know, I think it'll be, it'll be a really fun one to watch. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please leave a rating or review. I'd really, really appreciate it. It definitely helps out the pod. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, keep on swinging. Oh, 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 oh,